Hello and welcome to episode 4 of 60 Minutes or Less, a new podcast from Birthday Cake for Breakfast. I'm Andy Hughes and I am particularly stoked to say that our guest this time around is Jonathan Higgs, vocalist, guitarist and more in Everything Everything. Art rockers with a knack for hitting you in the feels one minute and getting you up on your feet dancing the next? Alongside Dutch Uncles, Everything Everything have been one of our favourite northern institutions over the past decade or so, an outfit we've been lucky enough to catch live in venues both vast and intimate over the years, and whose records we can never get enough of. Over the course of 15 plus years together, the band have had five albums reach the top 10 in the UK chart. At the start of March 2024, Everything Everything released their seventh album, Mountainhead, featuring the single Cold Reactor, which has been their biggest radio hit to date. Is a top 10 position on the cards this time around? I have personally been hammering their new record, so I'd certainly hope so. A week before Everything Everything were due to launch Mountainhead at Stockport Plaza, I caught up with Jonathan over Zoom to talk about the new record, utilising AI, and bothering the charts with Taylor Swift. Full context, the entire chat was recorded whilst Jonathan was wearing a little chef hat emoji atop his head. More on that later. For now, enjoy this latest episode and get out and grab a copy of Mountainhead this week. Where do we find you other than, this won't be going out as a video, but other than in this cosmos that you're in with your background and your chef's hat, where do we find you? And uh, yeah. I'm in my basement at home in Stockport in darkness. Yeah, I saw the other day, because I don't, I'm not too fussed about having, you know, these podcast videos where you're watching someone talking on their, you know, from their front room or what have you. Uh, And it looked like you were in a bunker when... uh, We saw you last, so that's pretty much the. Yeah, the I think I just decided to change the background after I'd done about forty of those in the bunker. Thought, mm, let's get somewhere more exotic. <laughs> so this by this time next week you will have played Stockport Plaza, or or at least you'll be prepping for Stockport Plaza. No, no, it's um, uh, no, yeah, you're right. It is a week. Yeah, so I suppose at this point, unless it's a matinee, you'll be uh, yeah, you'll be backstage and mm-hmm. etc. I can only imagine Peter Sen was, you know, a highlight as he always is. At the time of speaking, though, as we've just said, you know, you're still a week away. The venue seems perfect for you. It's current home by the sounds of it. But I would imagine that Stockport's a bit overlooked for this type of occasion. It certainly is. Yeah. Are you quite excited to have it for the launch? Definitely. I think it's a really nice thing to do. I've been living here a couple of years now, maybe three years, and they're doing their absolute best to revitalize this town. So launching the album from from the plaza, which is a pr- pretty cool venue, uh, is really nice. It's got a, it hasn't really changed in like eighty years or something. So it's got this amazing feel when you walk in there. It's just being, it's kind of like The Shining, basically. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> Overlook Hotel. Have they got like lobby lifts and things like that? Yeah, yeah, and everything's sort of Art Deco style. Yeah, and they like so we like- went to an organ morning there a few weeks ago where. Just these old geezers come in and play these little uh look like end of the pier organs and yeah. all the, the grannies there with the cups of tea just listen to this jolly music it was it's really surreal that it's still going on in just exactly the same way it always was do you think there's much crossover in these organ mornings with people next week for this launch do you think there's going to be much I hope some of them come to the to both. Um, not just the hipsters that go to that, but the, some of the uh, grannies that come to this. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a 
it is very strange to be playing the plaza, but it's literally about five minute walk from my house. So it's, it's doubly strange because my face is obviously on the wall and it has been all month and I'm just walking past it every day and going, Oh yeah, I guess I am playing in there. Yeah, and the people who work at Tesco are like, oh, it's that bloke who... Yeah, probably. So you're playing with Dutch Uncles as well. And I remember around the time of Big Balloon that they were dressing as an ensemble. And they've kind of, you know, been doing that. A, a brief window where they yeah. uh, where they bothered. <laughs> costumes, and then they were like, that's it now. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas yourselves, you know, you've been dabbling in this for oh, yeah. donkeys now. So Strictly. Like, strictly <laughs> i don't think we've ever performed with that maybe literally maybe once but like some kind of live session or something it seems to be very much you know like a call cool, every time there's a different album come out there's something different in terms of costumes and there was that mm -hmm. great time around get to heaven where when you played the apollo you had that person come out wearing the costume it was just yeah, giving it yeah. Away. <laughs> oh yeah and, and i know you're all now icy blonde up top well we're um, not actually anymore just me left the other guys has all grown out Oh, really? Yeah, they didn't keep it for the tour. They just did it for the, the day of promo that we did. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still there. I mean, well, that's that's good at least. But I mean, does the, is there much thinking behind the outfit choices and the aesthetics of the group? Obviously, by the sound of um, Sometimes. Sometimes it's just something we can all agree on just to get it over the line that we don't look too stupid in. Sometimes it's more thought, obviously around Get to Heaven, I was I was trying to look like a sort of crackpot dictator. So I had that sort of Hitler-esque fringe and we were looking at pictures of Gaddafi and stuff like this because he dresses like a fucking psycho. Because, you know, understandably. And uh, so I had this cape and I, I wanted to look like a ridiculous dictator, a madman. So that, And that really worked. But then, you know, raw data feel, we were just basically none of us could be asked so it was just like right let's just all wear white and just try and get just try and get that over the line with this it was i bought a, a japanese jacket it's like a cardboard box worker or something mm. and we just all thought it looked cool and we and we knew that there were loads more of these jackets in this place so we just went and bought them all but there wasn't a great deal more thought we just we like the idea of it being looking like we're going to work rather than just trying to look as cool as possible which is what all bands do we like the even if we don't look that that cool we kind of we look like we're doing a service or something like like we have to do it or something like that but there's not i think i think if we got too into it it would become a bit it would get in the way of the music i think it's mm. it's a way of forgetting about us as people and and being more about oh these these guys are a group that make this sound rather than there's the special one and there's the kooky one and there's the hot one and all this bollocks that you get when everyone's got their own style you know this is more like no they're just they're just them and they're doing their job which I really like. Mm. I bet on some forums and Twitter profiles for like you know everything everything diehards though they do have he's the kooky one and oh of course and the, yeah. and there is there is a slight. That isn't strictly true because I do sometimes wear something different to the other guys mm. and I do sometimes stand out on purpose and it doesn't hurt that idea that we're at work. It's more like I'm the leader of the guys at work, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it depends on, on on what we're doing. Sometimes it really works for me to look like a, a crackpot or whatever. Sometimes I need to just look like everyone. Yeah. 
I suppose it's it's. I, I love that Gaddafi comment, by the way. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's a fine line to tread, isn't it? It's very like it's almost like a Devo type thing of. Yeah, I mean, bands have done it. A million bands have done it before. It's Talking Heads, Beastie Boys, Devo, mm-hmm. everyone. Slipknot. I mean, they took it quite far, but just the boiler suit. It just removes any questions from your mind when you're dressing for the shits for the stage for the tour. It's like. Obviously, we're going to wear a, the same boiler suit every night. Bam, done. You don't have to worry about it. We don't have to look like we're all fit together because we're obviously going to. It's going to work together because we're all wearing the same shit. And I think it looks good. I think it looks cool. It's definitely a cool visual, and I think the like you say these these bands that have had like the boiler suits over the years. It's mm-hmm. definitely. It just looks. It's got. There's something about it, isn't there? That looks definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad we we cemented ourselves as that's the thing we do like it's no question we've done it for every record in terms of that i mean visuals have always been you know a part of the band and artwork has always been particularly striking i'd say get to heaven was possibly our favorite record sleeve that you've had like raw data feel was a bit different to that visually and they've always taken on like a different vibe really for the new record what was the story in terms of the artwork with that that was talking to the the artist we know and i said to him i want a guy who has a mountain for a head can you make that please and he made a few different ones and we we sort of went from there narrowing it down what you know should he be wearing a suit should he be wearing nothing etc cetera, etc cetera. little details but the the idea was always how simple can this be i want a guy who has a mountain for a head upside down mountain kind of worked because it it felt like a upside down sort of dark mountain but super super simple just want to make a striking image with a striking idea it's all about trying to get a a strong simple idea now everything in terms of the way i think about what we do it's trying to decrease rather than increase ideas (laughs) trying to get like pare them down to what's the strongest simplest thing we can do what do you think brought that on? I mean, a, a lot of bands do that, don't they, where, well, not a lot of bands, but certain bands do that where they get to a point where they say, we've done this and now we want to, you know, like drummers might decrease their kit or what have you to mm-hmm. see how much they can get from, like, minimalizing things. What do you think's gone into that, you know, for yourself and possibly the others? Um, I think it's, you, you learn to appreciate the strength of, of simplicity. Like, it's so easy when you're, if you've got a band where people are good at playing their instruments and there's lots of ideas flying about, it's really easy to just play all over everything and, and cover up everything with detail and, and impressive playing. And I, I do still have a place for that in my heart, but I feel like the, the hardest, I guess a lot of what we do is trying to do the hardest thing, which is a strange goal, I suppose, but it keeps us interested and, that's slowly become the pursuit of writing a perfect, simple song that anyone could play that is devastatingly affecting, you know, in whatever direction. It could be the most exciting song you've ever heard, it could be the most sad song, et cetera, et cetera. And doing that in a way that isn't shit and like simplified and childish, but it's actually amazing, but it's also simple. That's like the holy grail of art. And it's everything else is easier to do than that. So writing a really complex 
overstuffed record is is by far the easiest thing for us to do because that's what we've always done and that's what we do easily. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's all about trying to like if you can if you can have the same effect with two chords that that someone can have with eighty, then I'm going to choose the two chord one and I'm going to try and pursue that. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I suppose even harder, like you say, is trying to make it not shit. Which... Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Because there's loads of really simple art in the world that I think is shit, and we all think is shit. Um, but then there's sometimes there's something that's simple and incredible, and those are like the holy shit moments. Mm. It's interesting that as well. I mean, it, it kind of feeds into something I read or heard about you guys recently that you yourself have kind of shifted more towards the songs themselves and the melodies mm. and the lyrics and you've kind of almost said you know i'll let alex focus on the production side of things and how particular yeah. everything should sound and you yourself just want to focus on the song and you know yeah what do you think's done that shift as well is that a similar thing in terms of you know getting so lost in the song and saying, you know, I don't actually mind how it sounds as so. Yeah, it's a similar thing. I feel like if I can write a song that's so good, then it should be sort of bulletproof and you can throw anything at it and mm. the song will sort of survive. And it, I'm not saying that I write songs and Alex throws stuff at them and they survive the process. He enhances them. But I'm not on a quest to find the new sound as much as he is. I'm happy with just two sounds, you know, I'm happy with, with just hand claps and a, a bird singing or whatever, as long as there's a good song happening. Maybe that's, maybe that'll change. Maybe I'll get back into production stuff. And I do, I, I do love the way music sounds and all the things that we get up to, but in terms of the, the importance, it's, it's like vastly outstrips production is song and he would probably agree he would probably say of course the song is number one of course it is mm -hmm. and i'm very glad that he is on a, a quest for the for the new sound in the way he is we'd probably be shit if it was just me <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's it's obviously working as well i mean i read that cold reactor has been the biggest radio hit you've had in 15 yeah. years together and the new material itself seems to be received pretty well yeah so you know how how is that to be able as well to say you know we're doing it like this and it's still yeah beyond, as well as elevating you know to a point it's surprising uh the success of that song has been definitely very surprising to us and it's really nice to have that new lease of life this far on because you would expect a band of the seventh album to be not on Radio 1, you know. I turn 40 ne next week. And here I am, literally playlisted. So, yeah, that's just amazing. It's not a, um, it's not something we take for granted and it's not something that we aimed for specifically. Like, Cold Reactor's pretty nuts in terms of mm. its commercial appeal. It's, it doesn't, the chorus doesn't rhyme. It doesn't, it has all these words in it. There's no repetition, really. Mm. Uh, and it's about this ridiculous fantasy world i guess musically it's it's more conservative but we're delivering this sort of trojan horse of ideas and stuff through the through the doors on the back of a, a pop tune it feels like the good old days that's what we used to do 
Yeah, I mean, I I always, you know, when people damn bands for being possibly, you know, filtered through where they're oh they, they they've got someone else behind them or they've got you know money backing mm. or whatever. But even yeah. if they, even if they're still like that and the songs are fucking great and they are pushing through ideas that are I'm I'm not saying this about you guys obviously, but like even though they you know they are possibly from a certain background or what have you. I think it's great that you can still have in the charts these fucking crazy songs that are written by admittedly posh kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you go to see like some band like Black Midi or what have you, and they're doing these mad math rock songs to yeah. huge audiences. And it's like, even if they have come from where they've come from, it's <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, still mad that they're, you know, where yeah. they are. And in terms of the, the song we were just talking about and, you know, like the crazy ideas, I love that. You know the the stuff about sending a little sad little mm-hmm. yellow emoji face to to someone when you're feeling that way, and everything around you is the way it is. Much in the same way of you know sending a lol or being straight faced while you're pissing yourself yes. like emoji to someone. Do you think there has been like a kind of a change in communication and stuff to where even though things can be so open that people are so locked up in respect of feelings and such. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of people out there who are living quite isolated lives that may they may be connected digitally more than ever in history, but their human interactions are down to, you know, very few. Mm. And that has an effect on us. We're not really sure what it is yet. But yeah, certainly the the pandemic was kind of speeded all of that up massively and it meant that everyone had to live like that. And some people still are, and some people were beforehand. But a lot of people sort of haven't come out of that bubble that was created. And so that, yeah, Cold Reactor, I think, has has resonated with people because a lot of people know exactly what I'm talking about when I'm saying I haven't left the house. And I make it stupid by saying, you know, 30,000 mm. days. But that's also roughly a, a, a lifespan is 30,000 days. So it's a sort of cute way of saying I've never left the house, you know, and sending an emoji and being a Cold Reactor just as you described, is kind of the core sad tragedy at the, at the heart of this song that sounds like a just a feel-good time. But really, I think a lot of people have latched onto the lyrics, not so much the stuff about the mountain, but about the the isolation. That's what's actually been the success of it. Mm. And I mean, the, the sorry, the mountain itself, obviously there is a concept to the record. Mm-hmm. And you've you've talked about it before a lot, I'm sure. As you yeah. said, you've done like fifty odd of these or what have you. And it's about you know, like it's it's kind of on the nose in that it's about an alternate society where yep. people are yep. on the lower rungs of society are working towards elevating people who are at the top and what have you. I imagine people are taken to that as well, and it's yeah, you know, definitely. It's it's simple enough for people to get right away without feeling like it's just really stupid. But it's also, there's enough depth to it to be affecting, I think. And there's a lot of, just by describing a world where where people are, are striving towards something that they never really get to see and they don't really know why they're doing it sometimes, I think that also really resonates because it is it is how most of us live in this system that never really brings the reward that it's supposed to. And even if it does, it's a sort of hollow reward and we're living more and more in the dark 
which is what I wanted to get the idea across with this pit, was that we are living in, indoors and we're living through symbols and, and the, uh, the humanity of us is is changing into something very strange and mm. new and it's worth commenting on really even if it's in this abstract way it's still getting across to people yeah yeah definitely it's not uh it's not like an alien concept and it's not nothing difficult to grasp there's a big old mountain and everyone has to build it and it must keep growing and everyone has to live in a hole while it's while it's being made and there's no there's no guarantee of anything and there's mm. and a lot of people don't really understand why they have to build this mountain why we must keep growing why the line must go up why we must keep expanding because it's you don't get a tangible benefit from it mm. and in terms of themes and structures for records do you do you feel like this that's help it's is helpful for when you're putting a record out and you're writing, do you think it's helpful to have a structure like that or? Uh, yeah, I like, I like it because it gives me basis to start from. If I didn't have that there, I'd be saying to you right now. Yeah. It's a load of songs about my feelings about living in the 21st century. And, and the songs might not even be any different, mm. but because I've introduced this big metaphor everything can hang off it and everything can sort of be done under the shadow of the mountain as it were and if you go into the record knowing this idea and some of the songs early on really do lay it out for you then mm. it should sort of color color everything without being overbearing and it's not it's not a question of like having to learn characters names and having to work out how the narrative works it's just a big simple color palette really that that affects everything and it gives you right this is where he's starting from this is the world which is basically just our world but my angle is what the fuck are we doing and why why is everybody suffering if this mm. is apparently so great so making a, a seemingly absurd focus of it which is the building of a mountain instantly sort of puts you in the mindset of like well this is a bit absurd what 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 is this system so it's a it's a shortcut really to get you on board with me before I even open my mouth. Mm. And I think like you say <clears throat> with the, you know, the first few tunes, it can, it's almost like, you know, you remember those books you used to have where you'd have like a guide when you open the book and it yeah. shows you like a map of the, and that's like a good way of, I think it's really quite great really how you can have that there for people like you say they don't need to focus on it as such but it's there and they know that exactly overall. and it doesn't get in the way of the music at all you could listen to the album and never pick up on any of this stuff it's not even mentioned that many times but it's very helpful in situations where i'm trying to explain my worldview in a, in a short simple way which is again what we were talking about earlier how how few words can i use to impart something powerful to you hmm you mentioned just as well, you don't need to know characters' names. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that with this new record, you've said previously that you've, you know, you've stopped, uh, not so much stopped, but this time around, there's no mention of the types of, you know, Jennifer or Kevin, yeah, or yeah, even yeah. visually, there's no Fatbergs and what have you, like from Reanimator. I personally loved Kevin's, you know, reappearance when he showed up on Cut Up from the last record, because I just thought, yeah. Kevin as well. How much of this was conscious to say, you know, 
oh, actually, we're, we're not going to do that character thing this time around. Oh, yeah, it was very conscious because, I mean, we had we had songs called Kevin's Car and, and songs called Jennifer. And, you know, I, I really did it a lot on Raw Data Field on purpose. It was using proxies to talk about traumatic stuff. That was kind of part of what that album was for and what it was about. And I thought, well, I've, I've really done that now and I, I don't want another raft of random ass names. I'm going to try and do it with with none. But as someone pointed out, I did name the big snake that lives in the pit. <laughs> so I fucked up there. <laughs> Who happens to just be called Kevin, funnily enough, yeah. Well, yeah, I wish. <laughs> I would like that. I mean, you know, I appreciate... The, you know what's the case but I, I would think it would be great if you know like every band had at some point during an album they'd just be like oh and kevin did this and you'd be like oh that's well the, the great thing about raw data feel is that i at any time i can check back in with kevin in some future song and if people will love it yeah and um I've, I've been very cagey about what i think happens to kevin so it's always there if I want it to be, but really it's a, it's a, all of these things are proxies for me or, or people I know or imagined versions of myself. So it's really, you're always just checking in with me when you hear these things. I thought it was interesting to know in saying that, that you also try to include themes of money or commerce in every song. Yeah. Um, everyone. I tried to. Yeah. And obviously there's, there's some that are obvious, like, you know, it's all about the Benjamins. From yes. The end of and then there's, even though you've got the, the big reptile in the hole in Madstone could kind of say it was kind of like in get to heaven with the reptile aspect in that. Are there some other touchstones that you return to when you are, you know, making records other than money and commerce and what have you? Well, with this one, I tried to put electricity or money in every song. I think electricity got in there a good few times and things like uh, I can sell you a fire hose, for example, I can make it a business. That's all the same thing I'm trying to do but yeah I guess the one that that usually comes into my mind is some kind of reference to prehistoric man that is kind of my thing I can't escape hey look the uh the hats on your man yeah the hat, <laughs> the hat. Um, <laughs> that's the one I can't really escape so you'll probably you'll find a well uh, primates in general so there's gorillas and, and baboons and everything across chimps across the whole of our back catalogue. I don't know if it made it onto this one. It probably did. I mean, you've got Littlefoot, the dinosaur, uh, is very briefly mentioned. <laughs> yeah, so that's a big one for me, is that. So I guess, yeah, I, I don't know if I managed to avoid it on this one. And I tend to like the word happening quite a lot, so I try and avoid using that. It's got a great sound. I did it to death on Cough Cough a long time ago, but it still wants me to use it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, do you think that's just like not so much happening but you know the prehistoric nature and monkeys and stuff do you think mm -hmm. that is just is that just because it's an interest it's an interest that has a definite origin my dad is a sort of semi-amateur professional archaeologist right and he collects fossils but he also collects skulls so our house growing up was full to the brim with animal skulls and some human ones as well um <laughs> So and he would he would collect roadkill and take the heads and boil them up and get the skulls out and stuff like this when we were kids. So that's definitely what where all that comes from. I think of deep connection with evolution and man's animal side comes from my dad. 
and that's got into my music in a massive way and it's really my my main message if you if you put all my songs in a you know together and 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 said what is this guy trying to say it's i think it's probably that we are animals and we shouldn't forget it which is uh not something i consciously sit down and try and write songs about but it it just comes out through my my worldview and through my upbringing i think mm. also on that that's that's really interesting and the fact that you know it's not just come from nowhere no it's got actual yeah, yeah it does story yeah. to it on the last record there was a small percentage of lyrical output that came from yeah um, the ai program i'm sure you've talked about this to death and it was the case of you'd fed it 4chan forum posts t's and c's for linkedin confucius teachings and stuff like that yeah it was a bit ahead of the curve in a way and obviously yep. i'm sure that it was also right about on time for different you know areas where ai had obviously already been used a lot what are your thoughts on creative industries and the way things are with ai now you know the way the person on the street is talking about it rather than just possibly when the last record came out mm -hmm. something that was possibly not as prevalent yeah i think we we did just manage to grab it just before it became completely widespread but it was kind of comically in its infancy compared to what can be done with it now like the the cover of the album it looks terrible compared to what you can create now <laughs> um but at the time that was the best thing you could do i mean people a lot of there's a lot of chatter about what ai is going to do to to everyone's jobs obviously the creative industry perhaps most noticeably because of famous people or whatever i haven't tried to stay on the very forefront of any of it but i've i've sort of looked in here and there with some of the stuff that i do and i think it's a pretty good tool but it doesn't feel like it's replaced anything that i i personally do it's enhanced some of the things i do i've used it in like photoshop for example there's some cool stuff going on there and that got it to write some code for me to use in a in a animation thing it, it doesn't feel scary it just feels like a great really advanced tool in the right hands you can make some cool shit with it but it's in the wrong hands you just make a lot of bollocks with it and i'm not really worried about those people who are gonna <laughs> use it to make a little bollocks with because <laughs> it's it doesn't actually solve some of the major creative problems that a, the creative person has which is how do you communicate with your audience for example that it, it can't really help you with that it can just sort of go well this is how six million people used it do you want to do exactly the same thing as them or a slight variation on it and it's like well I, not really <laughs> You know, it, without getting into specifics, I, it feels like a good place to bounce ideas off, but it's not a replacement for anything that I've seen so far. Maybe that'll change. It's. I, I remember around the, the time of the last record where a friend got in touch and was like, oh, the whole record is written on ChatGPT. And I was like, fucking hell, that sounds awful. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I imagine, you know, that might have come up before. But that's interesting that, you know, like a tool to utilize in that respect is it something that you think you might revisit in the future or i don't think so i think we we made our little statement which we didn't even make we used it right at the right time got in just before everyone else 
And, you know, we're not, I'm not that interested in it. I think I'll use it as a tool like everyone, but it doesn't, it's in no way something I wake up in the morning and think, Ooh, I'm going to write a song with that. No way. It doesn't excite me at all. I might use it to help me with something, but no more than using a soft synth is helping me to hear a orchestra, you know, that I can't go outside and hear. So yeah, it's, it's just another tool at the moment. And it's an exciting one and I do enjoy it, but it's like, yeah, whatever. It's not, it's not my first thought. Yeah. That's good to know. With the new record, it's a run of top 10 albums on the bounce for you. And obviously, you know, given the way Cold Reactor's gone, I can only assume that similar will follow, not to jinx it. But how different does it feel? I realised, you know, compared to when Ark cracked the top 10, the way even music is consumed is completely different. You know, given the way things work now, how mad was it to go from the top 10 when Ark came around to possibly pushing through that now, given the way charts work and such? Well, I've heard recently, because obviously we're talking about this quite a lot, that the charts are, are going to change later this year. Right. I don't know how true it is, but I've heard that they're going to be judged. At the moment, they're judged on sales and consumption, weighted 50-50. I'm probably wrong, so don't take this as uh, red. <laughs> sure. But uh, <clears throat> that means that we, if we really, really crack the whip in release week, then we can get a top 10 but they're going to change it so that it's just consumption. And that when that happens, it'll just be Taylor Swift is number one every every week. And the, and the bands like us will never, probably won't even chart in a in a way that you can see. We probably won't even make the top 100 after this year. So in, we've enjoyed this particular period where we can like work <laughs> our asses off and get into the top 10, top five even. But supposedly this might be the last time we manage it which is a bit sad, but I don't really care. <laughs> really, really sad in a, you know, because obviously the charts aren't everything, but that is really sad in a, the way history's gone and with Top of the Pops and such. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what I mean, you were saying before about Black Midi, you know, it's great that the weird shit can be popular, but it's probably not going to be in the charts, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, there's always a TikTok video that could go stratospheric if you're uh, yeah, po- yeah, post yeah. 40th birthday. You could get on yeah, that with the yeah. lads. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I was just going to touch on going back to Ark. Man Alive recently had a reissue as well. And you were quoted as saying a lot of the time you were writing about an imagined future for the world and how it all got started, which doesn't see uh, doesn't feel too dissimilar to this new record. Obviously, a lot has changed, you know, since that first record came out with the way you are as people and, you know, in the world itself. You had said that you were weirdos then and you're weirdos now, but when that record came out. So, you know, how is it within the camp now? Is it just that you boys are still weirdos or... Yeah, I think we've we've uh, we're still weirdos, but we found our niche and we found our audience. And it obviously wasn't like that when we began. We were just trying to do something, and lots of people didn't know what to make of it, and they still don't. But mm. a lot of people do, and we really love our fans, and we really appreciate that we can sort of do some of the stuff we do, and we don't have to think about trying to make it commercial. I mean, it's not like it's rampantly anti-commercial the music we make at all but there isn't 
that thought dangling over our heads. We we really do love what we're creating. We think it's good. And when they do as well, that's kind of awesome. And if you ever find yourself in a situation where you don't love what you're doing creatively, <laughs> then it's very depressing. But we're lucky enough to not be in that position. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Until until you need to get past the Swifty in the uh, top 100. Well, yeah. We'll do a collab with her. <laughs> I bet that would be amazing, to be fair. I, I bet it would. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. It's been great chatting. Um, yeah, you too, man. Yeah, when you do get the call from Swift, hopefully you'll still remember remember us. What, you want to do a collaboration with her? Oh, I'd love to do a collaboration <laughs> with her. Not, okay, yeah. not you. If she wants to do a podcast, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll ask her. <laughs> yeah, please do. Thank you.